Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Real Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn. Episode 937, week 13 of the NFL season. Of course, we'll look back at that preview. Also look ahead at week 14. And we're going to certainly do a lot of college football. Uh, there was, of course, there was a huge weekend for college football. Fireworks on Sunday. We will, we will deep dive that. But as always, we're going to begin well, themes, number one, we get with our themes. No Super Bowl rematch. We saw both Kansas City and Philadelphia fall uh, in different fashions. Very, very unimpressive losses, to say the least. Um, but not shocking. Neither one was shocking. Even the Green Bay, Kansas City one was not shocking. So, so we'll talk more about that. But we're gonna. But despite the fact that they did have a bye week. Um, we're still going to have all the thoughts. Um, we're going to look ahead to the Buffalo Bills in their stretch run. Buffalo, of course, is at six and six. They are tenth in a packed and loaded AFC uh, AFC conference. Now, last time Buffalo played, of course, they lost a heartbreaking one of the games of the year to the Philadelphia Eagles, and I thought that there were some good, great signs coming, even in defeat that could possibly propel them to a, a late run to maybe make the playoffs. Um, the division's over. Uh, Miami has a three-game lead, even with the fact that Buffalo already, already beat them in, uh, in Buffalo earlier this year. That's too many games to make up at this point. And Buffalo's schedule is way too hard. And Miami, you know, Miami is not going to fall that hard. Uh, I, I don't see it. Like, I, I can't see any way, even Miami – struggles down the stretch of Buffalo catching them to win the division. So Buffalo's only way into the playoffs is going to be through that last wild card. Um, again, they are still within striking distance. It's not the problem how many games they're behind. The problem is how many teams are ahead of them with winning records and more importantly, how difficult their schedule is. I think realistically they had the Chiefs and Cowboys coming up in the next couple of weeks. Still have, of course, at Miami. Um, as the, I think realistically, they have to go four and one to get to ten wins. And I'm looking at their schedule now. Actually, um, so schedule a remaining schedule: Chiefs, Cowboys, uh, well at at Kansas City, they will host Dallas. Then they will uh, be at. At the Chargers, uh, host New England, and then finish at Miami. It is not an impossible schedule. It's not impossible. Uh, anytime, of course, you have the Patriots who are, you know, a dead carcass on it, and the Chargers who are, you know, the most, you know, inconsistent team in the league and who have a basically a lame duck head, a lame duck head coach who knows he's going to get fired. Uh, so you want to put those two wins, cool. Um, but the other two wins are going to be difficult to come from or to come by. I mean, again, at Kansas City is what it is, especially uh, it's going to be an annoyed Kansas City team coming off a loss. Dallas is playing well. And then you talk about Miami. So, again, 4 and 1 is not out of the question. It's not it, like it's not impossible for them to go 4 and 1. Would I bet on it? No. <laughs> There's nothing that I've seen out of this team this year that would tell me that they're going to finish the stretch 
finish down the stretch at four and one. I would say guess likely three and two, which leads them, which would lead them at nine and uh nine and eight. And I, I to be honest with you, in the AFC, I don't think nine and eight is making the playoffs. I just don't. I, now again, I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong. Seeing crazier things happen, but I, I just don't. I, I think nine and eight. I think you got. I think you probably going to have to be ten and seven. The problem with Buffalo. It's not just a record uh, as far as the six and six. It's, you know, you start looking at these records and tiebreakers and those type of situations when you're dealing with the conference, when you're dealing with uh, playoff positioning. It is the, uh, their conference record is bad. They're three and five in the conference. And, you know, you got, you know, Houston, Indianapolis, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, all ahead of them, not only with better records in the win-loss column at 75, but they also have better superior conference records by two games. Like Indianapolis has a two games. Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland are both two games better than Buffalo in, in terms of the conference record. Houston is two games in the loss column better than Buffalo in the conference uh, with the, in terms of the conference record. You know, as a matter of fact, Buffalo, I'm, I apologize, they're not 10th, they're 11th. They actually trail Cincinnati. Like they actually trailed Cincinnati by virtue of Cincinnati of the uh the head to head, which supersedes the conference record. So they, I mean, in Denver again, they lost again. So like, I just, they're not making the playoffs. Let, let me just stop this. They're not making the playoffs. They, I mean, <laughs> they're tied with Denver Cincinnati. Denver Cincinnati beat them in the head to head. So it's like. <laughs> Well, Buffalo, uh, the four and one thing, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, probably not going to happen. And again, they have t- like they they have a tall hill to climb in order to make the playoffs. To say at least a tall hill to climb. So more than likely, it's not going to happen. But we, again, we know, you know, if if they can bottle up that Philly performance minus a few penalties, that who knows. I've seen crazy things happen in the NFL in December. Like December is literally probably the most unpredictable month in the NFL for the most part. You know, your certain teams are going to come up big. You know, you know, back in the day, you know, Indianapolis is the New England's, just, you know, Green Bay's, the stalwart franchises. We have big December's Pittsburgh as well. We have big December's. The rest of the league is basically a toss up in December. Like you never know what's going to happen in December with the majority of the league. So we'll see what happens, but it, it, it's looking like it's, it's definitely some, uh, going to be an uphill battle uh, for Buffalo to get into uh, what Bill Parcells used to call the tournament uh, come January. Games of note. Um, let's go to Philadelphia first. So Philadelphia gets just the asses handed to them at home against San Francisco team, a well-rested San Francisco team, a healthy San Francisco team, Devo Samuels and Trent Williams are both back. Uh, they, I've only think they, they only lost one game with those when those, those guys were healthy. Maybe they may even be undefeated when those when those guys are healthy, but I know at least they've only lost one game. The, they're going at three game losing streak. Two of those losses were without without Debo and Trent Williams. So with those guys healthy, San Francisco. Probably is the most complete, and not probably they are the most complete team in football. It's just a matter of keeping those guys healthy. Um, is the K that that's you know 
that's been challenging, you know, as Trent Williams ages, Debo, his uh, Debo Sims in terms of the, his style of play, and of course, Patricia McCaffrey in general. But listen, this game, I didn't see this coming as far as domination. I thought San Francisco was, would win the game. Uh, Philadelphia was coming to this game all, on borrowed time as far as all of these close games and these double digit comebacks. At some point, it's going to, that, that's going to catch up with you. With you, you can't fall behind that a quality team like San Francisco, who doesn't play, who um, who runs the ball, and you're not going to get a lot of possessions against San Francisco. They have long drives. They they're not really a quick scoring offense. They they like to grind you down. They like kind of like death by a thousand cuts. They like to cut you up just and just physically pound you uh, into submission and. They did that to Philly and then some. Uh, San Francisco at one point scored, like I said, on six straight possessions. Um, and completely, after the first quarter, just completely dominated this game. I mean, they outscored Philadelphia 42-13 to after the first quarter. Philadelphia kicked a couple field goals to go up uh, 6-0, and that was it. Like, that that basically, you know, they scored a couple touchdowns. They didn't beat anything late in the game. And again, every, listen, you're gonna point at Philadelphia fans are funny. I, I love Philadelphia fans, they, but they because they're, they're hilarious and they're crazy. Everybody's gonna point at you know play calling. That's that's that is that's the classic go to for a fan uh, in football. Oh, the play calling they ran too much. They threw too much. Okay, sure. It, like there have been times where Philadelphia has ran has not run the ball enough. I don't think necessarily they. Completely trust their running game this year as in comparison to last year. Uh, year the offensive line hasn't played as well as it did last year. And here's the bottom line: Philadelphia, Philadelphia's offensively, like they still they still put up points, and then in terms of yards and in terms of total yards and uh, points scored, they're still top ten. Okay, uh, which is where you want to be if you're upper if you are a Super Bowl legitimate Super Bowl contender. If you're top ten in those two categories: points allowed and points scored. Excuse me, points scored in yards, you're fine offensively. The problem is defensively. Uh, last year, they were a legit top three defense. Okay, legitimately one of the best defenses in the league. This year, they ranked 24th in points allowed and 23, 23rd in yards. We watched, I watched the Washington Commanders and Sam Howe shred them twice, not once, but twice. Twice, he, he, Sam Howe put it on them. This is Sam Howe. Decent player, but not, not exactly, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes here. So that defense is just not has it has just not been good this year, and they have they find themselves having to win these shootouts. And again, you you can win a couple, you can win. I mean, you can win a couple of those games, but you're not you can you're not going to make a living, especially against de- defenses as good as San Francisco winning a shootout. It's just not going to happen. And uh, you know you walk. They shine. They shine. Sign uh, Shaq Leonard because their linebackers are horrible, and they can't cover tight ends. They are horrible against cover against tight uh, covering tight ends, and they're not good against back. You know, a running back that can catch the ball out the backfield. Uh, hence, uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, so they, you know, for a team that's ten and two, for a team that had a stretch of twenty five and four, now twenty five and five, there are some issues there. Uh, with Philadelphia, 
Are they correctable? You know, you don't have they, I, you don't have to have a top five defense to win a Super Bowl. Right? If they can if they can get that their defense back into the top while the season ends by you know somewhere in the middle, you know, in that fifteen to twelve range, you know, then we'll be talking about something. Or depending on what, how they're playing going into the playoffs, we'll, you know, we might be singing a different tune here. But they will not forget about winning the Super Bowl. They won't get to the AFC Championship if their defense is playing like this. It's just not going to happen. Somebody's going to pick them off. Uh, the room for error for the offensive league becomes is smaller, and uh, Jalen Hurts has an off day, which he's had a couple he's had a couple off days this year where he's he's been okay, and you know and they've been able to survive, uh, you know, been able to survive uh, survive on guile and just knowing how to win, but uh, that defense right now is just not is they're not a championship level defense, not even close to that, and they're not, not going to get to like I said, forget about getting or winning the Super Bowl, they won't get to the conference championship playing. The de- defense they waited, uh, playing the, the style of this caliber defense. The good news is, there are five games left. You're 10 and 2. You still have everything in front of you. You still have, again, in prime position to be the number one seed and get a bye week with a division. But things have gotten a lot tighter than what I thought they would be about a month ago. And now, again, we'll talk about, uh, the game of the week, which possibly could be the game of the year, uh, our week 14 preview. But, uh, you know, Dallas is coming. And that's all there is to it. Dallas is absolutely coming. Uh, no two ways about it. Um, as far as, uh, again, San Francisco, like I said earlier, San Francisco has outscored Dallas in Philadelphia 84-29. to That's all you need to know about how dominant this team could be when they are healthy. Uh, in focus, and then, like I said, their upside is they have the best, biggest upside of any team in the league. Like their A game is better than anybody else's A game. Period. Offensively, defensively, play calling, there are really no just outrageous weaknesses that they have. Everybody, everybody all these teams are flawed in some way, shape, or form. But when they're healthy, uh, that team is this team is almost that team is almost impossible to deal with from a physical standpoint. And again, with you know, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan, how innovative the play calling could be. And they just, they, uh, now again, it, here's the thing. Those guys have to stay healthy. Like, obviously, Purdy, the quarterback, we, that goes without saying. But Hubo, uh, Trent Williams, and Chris, Chris McCaffrey all must be on the field in order for San Francisco to, to win a Super Bowl. Because the goal is not for the MC Championship. The goal is not for them to get to get to, get to support. The goal they they've done they've done that. The goal is to win. Period. It's like Super Bowl bust for San Francisco. We know that. We knew that coming into this season. So, all three of those guys have to be healthy, and we'll see with, with Brock Purdy. We'll see. Like he won a playoff game last year, got hurt in the MC Championship, so we didn't see what that would have turned out. But he's still he's still a young quarterback. He, you know. He he has not been through this before as far as um, leading the team to a Super Bowl championship, to a Super Bowl title. Hasn't been through the gauntlet or those playoff battles, period. He's still a young guy. So there's still a lot. He still has a lot to prove from that standpoint. Um, Denver, Houston, Denver comes back down to earth after a five-game winning streak. Um, we talk about J.C. Stroud, C, not J.C., C.J. Stroud, as well as we should. Uh, for Houston, how phenomenal he's been having one of the great 
rookie quarterback seasons in recent memory. But the Houston defense has played extremely well in the last couple of weeks. Um, well, especially in particular this game, maybe not so much against Jackson, um, especially in this game, uh, maybe not so much against um, Jacksonville. But in this game, Houston's defense, uh, in essence, saved day. Now, J.C. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, I don't know why I keep saying J.C. C.J. Stroud had a big day. Uh, efficiency didn't make and the thing you like about it is he does not make uh, the big mistake. Like he doesn't he, like he's not he's not going to make a mistake that costs you a game. And for a young quarterback, that is almost impossible to do. Uh, they held they hold the Houston defense holds under under three hundred yards. Of course, Russell Wilson has a just, just uh, a you know probably the worst no, without question the worst game of, of his season. And, you know, Houston gets a, a, a big win for them coming off a loss. Um, coming off a loss against uh, Jacksonville previous week. And, you know, you're looking at their schedule. You know, that schedule is not, it's not a hard schedule. They got the Jets, Titans, Browns, who don't have a quarterback. Titans again, and they end the season with the Colts. I mean, that is a very, to me, favorable schedule. They could easily go 4-1. I could easily see them going for a one. I don't. I don't think any worse than three. I definitely think baseline three and two, and at seventy five, that probably three and two will probably be get them in the playoffs at ten and seven. So, uh, I, that team has, you know, continues to play well. That's a huge win for them. I guess I guess a temper team that was playing well and, and and you know had one of the longest winning streaks in the league. But again, you know, Denver. Uh, listen. Uh, Denver is at six and six. Denver is probably what they should be. Like they they weren't as bad as they started out. Like as far as the talent goes, but they certainly wasn't. It's not as good as a team to be to win five straight and to be considered any type of contender. So they're they're, they're right. They're basically probably at eight nine nine eighteen, maybe even seven and ten, possibly when they're and done. But they're like I don't like that. That winning streak did not fool me at all. Like I, you acknowledged it, cool. They got you know they finally the season finally started for them. Okay, that's that's nice. But I never was buying the Denver Kool Aid as far as oh Denver you know Denver might be a contender now or watch out they could be dangerous. No, no, you know we see team we see teams do this mid season getting get start out horrible, get hot a little bit, and it kind of brings some false like uh, it kind of brings some some chatter that you know. Team might be actually better than they are. That's not, we we know Denver's not a very good team, so uh, I think that you know I don't think Denver will make the playoffs. Uh, but again, Houston, obviously they they absolutely control, in essence, control their destiny, and they you know probably I I would guess they probably will uh will make the playoffs. Uh, before we get to the game of the week, another game of note we talked about a little bit earlier uh, with the teams, but Kansas City falling to Green Bay 27-19. Um, this is a game, you know, you give Green Bay credit. Green Bay now, they are in the midst of the, of the playoff race. Uh, Jordan Love has, you know, gotten hot. Uh, just, just, a, just, this has been a typical performance uh, for Kansas City in the sense that 
with the exception of their defense, the defense actually for the first time did not play well whatsoever in this particular game against our against the you know average to mediocre Green Bay offense. But offensively, this has been Kansas City for basically the entire year. Uh, this is their fifth game under twenty points, I, and keep this in mind: Kansas City is what eight and four right now. Kansas City is eight and four, so they played twelve games. Five and almost half their games, they've been under twenty points. The last three seasons, matter of fact, no, previous five seasons, they had five games combined. They had five games under twenty points. So put let's put that in perspective. Previous five seasons, that's how that, that is state of their offense right now. It is a I. That's just say it's it's an average mediocre offense right now. And that's what that's what the greatest quarterback of this, you know, of the, the greatest quarterback right now playing the, the game today and within a future Hall of Fame uh tight end. Whatever I mean, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame tight end, all time greats, both of them. With an above average offensive line, I might add. That's how bad that's how bad the receivers have been. That's how bad the receivers have been. Think about it. you have a you have a historically talented quarterback, an all time great tight end, and an above average offensive line, if not one of the better offensive lines in the league. And you can't score any points. You can't. And again, this is who, uh, this is who Kansas City has been. Like I don't. It's it's no longer. It's not just. It's it's who they are right now. This is not a very good offensive team. They don't they don't scare you offensively anymore. I never thought I would say that with a Patrick Mahomes in his prime. I never thought that I would say that. Ever. Ever. But they just don't. Uh at this point. And again, to again, Green Bay. Green Bay's defense is like is not the 85 Bears. Like and Green Bay has all types of injuries with their defense right now. Like they some of their best players are hurt. Defensively, off a defense that wasn't going, that really wasn't that good to begin with coming into the season. So for Green Bay to hold them to 19 points just lets you know their current state of the Kansas City, uh, Kansas City offense. Game of the week, um, I'm not even calling this a great game. It's more indicative. It was a game of the week because there wasn't a lot to choose from as far as as far as top games and close games that were somewhat compelling. To be honest with you. But this was a this was a semi it was an entertaining game. I mean, you get eighty with Dallas taking out Seattle forty one to thirty five. You get eighty six points. Neither defense could do anything with the offenses. This was completely dominated by both offenses. The problem with this game is nineteen penalties for two hundred and fifty seven yards between the two teams. And I, you know, I'm watching it, and it's like it's it's one of those games where you think. And I'm not big on conspiracy theories or gambling, but it, it it looked like one of those games where the fix looked like it, it could have been in. If you, if you were a casual fan watching and you hadn't, if you, if you were a casual football fan, right, you sat down and watched that, you would you would say to your to a person that you're watching that you're sitting next to who's a great NFL fan, yo, are they? Is this like? What is Vegas involved with this? Like, we, you would literally question, you would, you would absolutely question the integrity of this particular game. 
That's how bad the officiating was both ways, especially some of the calls against Seattle. It's like, really? This is really, <laughs> this is really like, I'm telling you, it was like that the scene in Remember the Titans when they were cheating. And then Yost was like, I have all you thrown in jail. Like that, that's how bad the officiating was. It was hard on both sides. Like I said, one team had 10 penalties, the other team had nine penalties. So it wasn't, definitely wasn't a one sided whistle. This is some, but, you know, Seattle probably should have won the game. Uh, they did whatever they wanted to against Dallas' uh, defense. But uh, again, you know, Seattle lately has found ways to lose games. They're in the midst of a three game losing streak. Um, and Dallas did. Did, frankly, what it had to do to win, uh, to win, and now uh, Dallas will be primed and poised to uh, going to you know to play Philadelphia at home and with first place, possibly first place on the line. I, I gotta check the standings to see if it's actually on the line because I think the conference record, Philly's conference record, might be superior to where they don't lose. First place, even if they do lose, uh, no. So Philly, even Philly loses, they'll still be in first place because they'll have a superior conference record, and they would have split the division, the series. Dallas be four and one, Philly would be three and one. But I think head to head conference. I I believe Dallas would have it because of the division record. But they had to have the split. So it's division and conference if there's a tie. So, yeah, I mean, so Dallas would be in first place, actually, because they would be 4-1 in the division, then they would drop to 3-1 in the division. So actually, Dallas would be... Um, Dallas would be in first place. So, in essence, first place will be on the line uh, in that game. Uh, we'll talk more about that game um, later on. Listen, I'm going to say something. Speaking of Dallas, going to say something that uh, no one, if you if you hate Dallas like I do, I'm going to say something that no one is going to like. And it listen, as somebody who's rooted for the commanders, as someone who's had to watch Dallas win, Three Super Bowls and dominate the 90s. Um, somebody who just absolutely detests Dallas. I to, I, listen, this program is only good. This podcast is only good if I can say if, if I maintain a level of objectivity, uh, even when I don't want to. And but the bottom line is, Dallas is number one. They are legit. They are a legit Super Bowl contending team. And if this is if any year Dallas would get to the Super Bowl. The way it's setting up, it would be this year. Like if they can't do it this year, then it's never going to happen with this current regime. As far as Dak Prescott, their, their core players, it's just not. Because if you look at the landscape of the NFL right now, number one, the quarterbacking has been like bad. Like we're talking about, and we'll get into the NFL MVP race, but uh, you know, Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy are are like. The leading candidates to be are, are the biggest favorites to be co favorites to be NFL MVP. Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. Okay. So, quarterback in this year in the NFL has been trash. You have that. And the reason why, part of the reason why it's been trash because either guys have underperformed 
underperformance, injuries, and also uh, the fact, that, yeah, underperformance and injuries. So if you take that equate, like when you lower the level of play from the quarterback position, that brings everybody closer. That brings like that. That makes teams that may not been a contender, maybe possibly a contender, or that that brings that just you know that that widens the 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 uh list of teams that possibly could possibly challenge or win a Super Bowl. Because more like more times than not, you're not winning a Super Bowl without a top quarterback. And you look at the NFL right now. You know, I said this at the top of the show, uh, top of the podcast, you know, Super Bowl, no Super Bowl rematch. It, neither one of those quarterbacks are playing as well as they did last year. It hurts in Mahomes. They're just not. They're, they're not, okay? Joe Burrow is done for the season. Aaron Rodgers, done for the season. Lamar Jackson has cooled off. Tua Tungvalova has – is – like ice cold, like the numbers that he was that he was on pace to put up versus what he has, you would have thought you would you would not have thought that Miami's offense was on a record setting pace earlier in the season. That's how that's how quick quickly things can change in the NFL. That's why I said it's always five, four to five twists and turns in the NFL season. That Miami offense does not look like it did once did. Uh, now again, we also I mean we know Miami's deal. They don't do it against quality teams, but. There's been so many bad quarterbacks in this year, this season. And, you know, the NFC, you have two teams. It's Philadelphia, San Francisco. Philadelphia's not playing well. San Francisco, like I said, is an injury away. Literally an injury away from one of their top guys of of not being the same team. So, look, there's no dominant. Like, the AFC right now is, you know, like I said, that Burrow injury changed a lot of things. Like, Joe Burrow... And I, you know, there were people who said Cincinnati wasn't probably going to make the playoffs anyway. I completely disagree. I think Cincinnati would have made the playoffs. It would have been, you know, hell to deal with in the playoffs because of that dude and the experience of knowing how to win. Again, Josh Allen, came in top five quarterback, has not certainly has not played that well. So there have been guys. This has been the guys who we thought were top guys coming in who have significantly underachieved, underperformed. And again, that brings everybody into the mix. That just, that just again, widens the, the amount of teams that who, who can actually possibly do some damage. And I say that to say that you get, like, Dallas has a legit top defense. Um, their quarterback is, you know, playing well, playing very well. So, again, I don't, do I trust Dallas? Absolutely not. Do I coffee? No. Would I bet on it? Absolutely not in terms of it happening. Absolutely no. Well, I believe it's going to happen. No. But you got to be fair about it and say, and, and to say it, it, it's not out of the realms of, possi- of, of, of a possibility. It's not out of the realms of possibility that it could happen. Like, it's not crazy to say that the Dallas Cowboys will be playing in February. It's not outrageous to say that. No, it's still the. I still don't care for the Dallas Cowboys fans. I don't. I can't take them. But they have a shot. They do. They, I just gotta be honest with you. They have a shot. Wouldn't bet on them, no. But they, you know, there've been years in the past years. I'd be like, nah, they ain't got no chance. 
I don't care how well they were playing or how good they were looking on the regular season. Like, no, nah, they really don't have a chance. The league has come down. And again, it would take this type of year to where you don't have to have a great quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Like, you know, Flacco got hot in the playoffs and, you know, they had a veteran defense and Baltimore won the Super Bowl 2012. Minus that, you got to have a normally a top guy, top, 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 top guy to win a Super Bowl. You got to have Brady, you got to have a Holmes, that level of player. Uh, in order to win the Super Bowl. Again, the Rams are the exception a couple of years ago. They had, they, I mean, you know, talking about they had all-world talent across the board at various positions, like all-world defensive player, all, you know, just great, great personnel that all Matthew Stafford had to do was just be a little bit better than Jared Goff. And we know they mortgaged their future for, you know, all these veteran high price free agents and what have you. So they're, they're the exception. In, in the modern in, in, in the last 10 years. But normally you gotta Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl. You gotta have that level of guy. Breeze has a Super Bowl. You gotta have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, uh, normally to make that jump to to the Super Bowl or uh, to a Super Bowl level. Again, I'm not sure this year that you have to have that guy the way it's the way this season has been has is looking. I'm not sure that that that's absolutely a must. Because two of the hotter teams, San Francisco, Dallas, and San Francisco, they don't have a guy like that. Those teams, like Purdy and, and Prescott, are are unproven in the postseason. Prescott has been bad. We still haven't seen enough. The, the body of work for Purdy is too small to to to, uh, to judge him in postseason. So, like basically one game. So, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, if you're a Dallas Cowboys hater, then I, you know you. Things are like if you hate the Cowboys, then you have to come to you have to be come to the realization that this this possibly could be they actually could win it. I hate to say it, but you know it is what it is. We won the week, uh, Dallas Cowboys. We won, won the week because again, there are no dominant teams in the league right now. There's no dominant quarterbacks in the league in terms of the level that they're playing. So if you have a great, if you have an excellent defense, if you have a quarterback that's playing well, if you're able to be able to run the ball, you got a chance. And they won the week because, and the end they won the week because Philadelphia lost. That's why they. That's the biggest reason why they won the week. Philadelphia, Philadelphia wins that game against San Francisco. The division is over. It'll have been over. Even this game coming up wouldn't mean it. Wouldn't mean as much would be not like a bus win but would be as important now the division is absolutely in play home field advantage in the conference is in play now San Francisco has a distinct advantage because they have tiebreaker over Dallas and uh Philadelphia so San Francisco you know any one of those three teams could end up with uh home field advantage and Detroit, I mean, you have Detroit that mix as well. San Francisco is seven and one in the conference, Philly six and one, Dallas is six and three. So, yeah, Detroit is six and two. Um, looking at the Detroit schedule: Vikings, Lions, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Eh, it's not yes, it's not easy schedule for Detroit. I, I don't think Detroit is it. I, I think it comes down to Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas. Be uh, 
vying for that top spot. And you know, for the schedule is not it's not impossible. It's, you know, Cardinals, Seahawks, Seahawks are reeling right now. Cardinals are, you know, the Cardinals, Commanders. I mean, those are three. Those would be three wins right there. They, I mean, the four, the Rams all the Rams and 49ers always battle it, so that'll be a tough game, especially if the Rams. The Rams are in the mix of the playoffs. They're gonna probably need that game. Ravens, Rams, yeah, 49ers are in, in, are in you know, uh, uh, you know, are in prime position to, to get that number one seed. Uh, the Eagles should get it though with their schedule. They still have two games against the Giants, so the Eagles should get it. Uh, should get that number one seed, but again, a lot will go. You know, we'll talk about the Dallas game uh, later later on. So, but the Cowboys absolutely, well, absolutely won the week. I thought won the week. I could listen. I could have went in a different couple of directions, but I'll flush a little, some of those stories out later in the podcast. The deep dive is the college football playoffs. Of course, we are all set. You're going to have Michigan, uh, Texas, Washington, Michigan versus Alabama. Tech, Michigan's the number one. Alabama's four. Uh, Washington's two. And Texas is three. Um, a lot to, to just a lot to discuss in regards to this. Um, I want to say, listen, as a Florida State fan, I gotta get this out of the way. As a Florida State fan, I am not. I'm sorry, I'm not disappointed. I'm sorry, I, I can't. I hate to say, it. I you, me saying that makes it seem like I'm not a Florida State fan. I, I've been first. I've been anybody that knows me. I've been a Florida State fan going back to. With Deion Sanders was playing. That's how far I go back with Florida State. So I am absolutely uh, a Florida State lifelong Florida State fan. The reason why I'm not devastated is because I kind of saw this shit coming, and I knew that. And I told you on this podcast, I knew that there was no way that they were going to keep a 12 and one Alabama team that. SEC champion, 12-1 Alabama team wasn't going to make the playoffs. There's no way that that would ever happen. I told you Michigan was a lot. The winner of Oregon, Washington, more than likely was going to get in, though. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure about that now, considering how this thing has, has, broken, has broken. Uh, Maybe Oregon, maybe that wasn't an elimination game. Maybe that was just Washington. If Washington win, they end Oregon, maybe. What I didn't see is, I did not see the Georgia thing, uh, I thought Georgia was a lock, even if they lost. And I'm going to say this right here. Listen, Florida State, you got every right to be pissed off. 13-0 Power 5 Conference. You beat quality teams. You managed to salvage your season despite missing your quarterback. But at one point during the season was a Heisman Trophy candidate coming into the season. Had a very good year. Didn't live quite up to that building, but still is was the conference player of the year. And, and the guy who is the number one reason why they, you know, were who they were, were who they were offensively. So uh, they deserve all the credit in the world for going undefeated and losing him and having to win against, you know, a ranked Louisville team and on the road and in the swamp, which, you know, it's not easy, especially in the rivalry game. They deserve a lot of ton of credit. But the bottom line is Alabama 12-1 is better than Florida State is right now. They are. It's just like Alabama's playing as well as any team in the country. So before I get into the genius of the committee, if anyone has a gripe about not making the playoffs, it's Georgia. So you're telling me 
We're the two-time defending national champions, okay? We've gone undefeated in the SEC in three straight regular seasons, right? We've won 29 games, which is an SEC record, okay? We lose to a team that is playing as well as any team in the country by three points. And we go from one to six. Like, I, I don't, and again, everybody's the Florida State thing has clouded everybody. <laughs> the, the real story as far as snub is Georgia. Like Georgia, like Georgia is the two-time, we're the two-time defending national champions, period. Like, like I'm sorry. Like Georgia should have been a lock. Like you talk, I, I don't think tech no, I don't think I can make a case that I don't think Texas is a better team than Georgia. No, I'm sorry. I, I don't. Do I think Texas' resume is better than Georgia's? No. And despite the fact that they beat. Alabama, Georgia lost to them. But remember, you know, and they beat Alabama in Alabama. So that, that listen, I'm not trying to get by 10 points. That was, it really wasn't a game, to be honest with you, from that standpoint. They, they dominated, Texas dominated that game. It deserved it, were clearly a better team. But Georgia went through the SEC. The SEC was down this year, but it wasn't as down as people make it out to be. It, was, it wasn't as. Like LSU, we thought we were going to be, we thought it was going to be better. Tennessee probably thought it was going to be a little better, but we're still we're about five or six quality teams in the SEC, in the SEC, and Georgia went through all of them in a regular season. So I, again, that one baffles me even more so than the Florida State one. To be honest with you, I told, I knew, listen, I knew if Alabama won, that Florida State possibly could have some issues. If Alabama won, and I also thought. In the back of my mind as well, that the committee may hold the Jordan uh, Travis injury against Florida State, and they absolutely did. So those two things combined, I thought that this. I'm not surprised that this happened. I'm not shocked, even at 13 and 0, that Florida State didn't make didn't make this playoff. But again, I thought it would be because of of, of the power of the SEC and the fact that again the Jordan Travis injury. I'm going to say this, it, you know, all the criticism I've been hearing about the committee and about these, and about, you know, what was Florida State and so on and so on. So let me, let me, let me tell you something. Let me, let me just set this straight. The college football committee, what they did in selecting these teams was absolutely ingenious. And I can't put it nowhere. I, there's just all there is to it. Let me tell you, let me tell you why. Okay. You have three of the top four all-time winningest programs in high history college football. Michigan's one, Alabama is two, Texas is three, Texas is four, Ohio State is is third, right? Okay. Michigan is a brand. Texas is a brand. Alabama is a brand. These are these are blue blood like super blue bloods. Not just regular blue bloods. These are super blue bloods. Okay, what's coming in 2024, right? The new SEC. Who's going to be in the new SEC? Oklahoma and Texas. You have a potential for an Alabama-Texas national championship. You have a situation where next season, we're going to have a 12-team playoff. What is a better rollout 
leading into next year's playoff in the SEC than having Alabama and Texas in the playoffs. I I, I was pissed off at myself for not seeing what obviously was going to happen. If Alabama and Texas were both one-loss teams with conference championships, there was no way. No, I Maybe even Jordan Travis was healthy. They still took these two teams. There's too much to pass up on as far as marketing, as far as the money. Listen, the SEC, look, the SEC absolutely owns college football from the standpoint of not just winning, but moves are dictated. College football moves are dictated by the SEC. That is the power of the SEC. This was this was politics. This was business more so than just about what happened on the field and point differential and what have you. They made a business decision. I'm just be straight up with you. And it's ingenious. It's, it's ingenious because I'm I'm talking about it. This this was the biggest sports story for about not just twenty four hours for about seventy two hours. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Period. You know, you leave out. Think about it. You leave out a thirteen and O team, and you still arguably get. The four best teams in college football. I mean, there's still to be a there's a, a there's a legit. I can make a strong a debate that these are the four best teams in college football. It's not it's not preposterous to say that these are the four best teams in football. Like Michigan has been solid all year long. Did what they had to do. Alabama's playing better than anybody in college football right now. Washington went undefeated. Did what they had to do and has beaten everybody. I mean, Washington went through the gauntlet of the Pac-12. So there's no question they're they're deserving of being there. Texas again. I, I don't. I'm not in love with Texas this year. I, I don't think the Big Twelve is strong, but you know they went on the road against a, you know, <laughs> they went on the road against the dominant program in college football uh, in in a, in, a, in the last decade and won convincingly. That carries all the weight. And again, they are Texas. They have their own network. The Longhorn Network, like the, again, this is bigger than what goes on on the field. It really is. The amount of hype, the amount, watch those ratings for this for this college football playoff. Watch them. Watch them. I mean, Alabama, Texas sells itself. Alabama and Michigan, and again, this year there's no like in past years. It was clear that the SEC was head and shoulders above everybody. It was clear the SEC, along with Clemson, were head and shoulders of everybody, and that was it. It's not the case this year. It's absolutely not the case this year. I mean, it's like any one of these four teams could win it, to be honest with you. I lean towards Alabama, and I would say Alabama and Washington. I, I'm not – Texas just, just – I, I don't like Texas at all. I never like Texas in these big games. And again, I've watched enough Washington games. Washington is very good, and they played in a number of close games and won them against big time competition. They beat Oregon twice, and Oregon was very good this year. Oregon had a great season. They beat them twice, both close games and both winnable games for Oregon. But I think Washington is a is a mentally tough team. A lot, I think Washington is much better than what people 
are going to realize uh, because they haven't probably seen a lot of them because they've been on the on the west on on the west coast. The, that Washington team is a is a is a big time team, and they deserve respect. But there's no Georgia, there's no Alabama, there's no Clemson uh, that has dominated over the past course of the decade. Those will be the three dominant teams in the last decade: Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. None of those teams are there this year, and that Cowboy team is not there. Even this Alabama team is not dominant. This is probably the weakest Alabama team that's made the playoffs in a in a long time. Maybe the weakest in the Knicks' probably since 2014 when they got knocked out by Ohio State and Ezekiel Elliott in the first playoff, like almost a decade ago. This is not a very this this Alabama team is talented. They'll get their draft picks. They're not, in comparison to other Alabama teams, they're not a vintage team. This is not anywhere close to being a vintage Alabama team. Now, look, uh, you give Nick Saban credit. They looked awful against Texas. They looked bad in certain games. Even they, After that, even they won. I, I questioned how I thought that after that game, that they were going to lose at least three or four, two, maybe three, maybe at least three games. They circled the wagons. They got together. They fixed the quarterback. They fixed the, the, the defense, and they took off, period. Point blank. So give them all the credit in the world for turning around the season that could have went left, just like Clemson's did, real quick, uh, real real fast. But I'm telling you right now, the college football committee was in that they they nailed it. And I'm not talking about getting picking the right four teams. I'm just talking about all the attention college football has gotten is going to get, and what they're setting up for their future as far as the the big the new uh, SEC. And next year's college football playoff playoffs, which would be twelve teams, like they, you couldn't set up any perfectly. They were playing chess without question. They were playing chess with the, when they made this decision. So no, it's no if ands or buts about it. And if you think for a second that they're embarrassed by the criticism, they don't give zero fucks about. Dude. Are you kidding me? You think college football? is excluded from this era of clout chasing and seeking attention. It's not. I'm telling you, it is absolutely not. They want they want the attention on their sport. They want us talking about their sport, whether it is in a negative way or positive. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. I'm telling you it doesn't. I mean, we're not talking about any criminal activity here or nothing like that. We're just talking about, you know, a committee leaving out the 13-0 team and, and what have you. They're not, emba- they're, they're not embarrassed. They're not at least embarrassed. They're going to be – the college football is going to be laughing to all the way to the bank <laughs> come January 1st and moving forward. It's all like – you like college football won this year. You combine this playoff and what happened with the, at the end of the regular season, at the end, you know, last week, with what transpired with Colorado and Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, think about this. Deion Sanders is on the cover of Sports Illustrated on a team that won four games. That's how that's how much college football is winning right now. You're talking about coach, the team won four fucking games. And again, I'm not knocking it because, like, the number of games won is not even the issue. Uh, that's not even, uh, it's not even about that with, with Colorado and what where they where they were versus with Dion, like the interest and all that. Like, so put that aside. But I'm just telling you, like it was a big year for college football. Like it was a huge. Was, this was a, a this could be one of these seminal seminal years that we're gonna be looking back at. It was like, damn, college football really won this year in a big way. So again, two great matchups. From a football standpoint, I expect two very close games. 
Um, the best quarterback. Washington has the best quarterback. Yeah, they have the best quarterback. So I listen. I think you asked me. I, I lean to. I'm telling you, it's again. I could be dead wrong, but I, I think it might. This might be a year. It might be Washington's year. I watched a lot of Washington. Washington went through like that. Like I said, the Pac-12 was a gauntlet this year, and Washington went through it. But we'll see what happens. And you know. The SEC didn't get two teams, but the SEC got two teams. So they didn't get Georgia, Alabama. Texas will be in the SEC. So it's Texas, Alabama are, are basically SEC, SEC teams. So, you know, that is what it is. Uh, I'm going to some real thoughts before I let you go. Uh, announcement about programming moving forward um, is December 5th, right? We, I have one more live podcast. Okay. One more live podcast. Meaning right now, this what you're listening to right now was not, is not, is this is me live. This is not pre-recorded. This comes out, it'll come out tomorrow. So technically it technically is pre-recorded. But next week will be December, which will be December 12th, the day after my birthday. That will be the the last kind of live, semi-live podcast I do of 2023. The rest of the podcast, now again, we will continue to release podcasts over the course of December because we still haven't, we will be wrapping up. We still haven't wrapped up the Snowfall and I'm, the way it's looking right now, we're going to be releasing Snowfall podcasts into at least the middle of January. We'll probably, we'll finish in January. We'll be done in January. I'll be done recording Snowfall podcasts probably this week, weekend, to be honest with you. But in terms of those podcasts, they're, they're about they're going to be about five unreleased snowfall podcasts that we that will go into 2024. So you'll they'll still be getting re- released, but and I might sneak in one more podcast in terms of a movie, a movie that review that I wanted to uh, movie that I wanted to uh, look back on. But um, so probably in all in in all probably have one two. This one is basically done. Oh, four podcasts left uh, that I'll be doing, but this one next week will be the last live one. Uh, take a little, we take a little mini sabbatical for the Christmas break. Uh, we will come back twenty twenty four better, better and stronger than ever, and you know, get a little, you know, refresh, reset, refresh, and and you know, some reflection time. Uh, we've been going again since snowfall um, started. I started snowfall in what? July, mid July, early July. We've been going hard for the better part of you know, July is five months with at least two podcasts a week. Uh races two podcasts, two podcasts a week since August. Um, in certain cases I did a couple times I did three uh, with, with Snowball. So, you know, get some time off. We have some big things planned, of course, for twenty twenty four. Uh now we will also have our best of podcast. That will get released as well. The best of 2023 that will be coming out. Uh, try to get that out for um, January 1st. I'll do my best to work on that right now. Be honest with you, some stuff on some ideas in, in regards to that. But I uh, just want to make that announcement. Uh, the last thing, um, 
be honest, normally, listen, normally I don't give a shit about people's personal life, even uh, amongst celebrities. I generally normally don't, um, for the most part. But, you know, I couldn't help, I couldn't help but to talk about this story. Of course, Deion Sanders and Tracy Edmonds, uh, former, who, of course, was married to Babyface back in the day, they broke off their four-year engagement and went their separate ways, as announced on Instagram through Tracy's her Instagram account, and you know, seemingly on the surface, uh, seemingly like it was like an amicable breakup. That's not even the part I care about. Uh, people break up every day, like that's that's life. And not gonna told you, probably after year two, that they were never gonna get married. I mean, four years is. That's a long time for an engagement in your fifties. Both of them, I think, are in there. No, both of them, I know for sure, are in their fifties. Yeah, 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 yeah. Four years—that's that's a long time. But anyway, I just—I guess the part to me that that boggles my mind is just how people, especially even celebrities, feel the need to actually believe to actually think that this is our business or to make this our business now in society today we are we are so easily distracted we understand we we know this we are so easily distracted it doesn't take anything to distract us reality television social media um so we pay attention to this shit i'm talking about this right now of course but the thing the thing is i again i don't understand the, the need to you know it's one thing if you are divorced you're a public figure and you know those records somehow are going to get out tmz some of those records are, are public documentation become public documentation so that's one thing but making an announcement like i i don't think we need we didn't need to notice how about just breaking up and going about your business like for real, like I and if some if, if you want to talk about y'all breaking up, whatever, let them let them talk about it. The only the only opinions the only opinions that matter in regards to Deion Sanders and Tracy Edmonds are Deion Sanders's in regards to their relationship are Deion Sanders and Tracy Edmonds. Those really are the only opinions, and they're you know close, you know I guess kid, their kids or you know close 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 friends that they're that 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 they're that that they're that tight with. Excuse me. That's it. I don't know why they feel like that our opinions matter in regards to this. And you can't tell me. Deion Sanders has said, your opinion of me doesn't matter. Deion, nah, bruh. It kind of does. Because she sent it out, but he he responded. I guess he felt the need to respond after she sent it out. So let me put him aside for a second. This is more her. This is her. She sent this out. This was her Instagram. He just, he kind of, you know, piggyback and say, you know, you know, uh, you know, much love to you, and, and re- made a respectful comment towards her. But this was her. This was her dropping this. So I guess you know, again, I, again, I never got. I don't think. Listen, I don't know Tracy Edmonds from a hole in the wall. You know, she's doing her things, with, doing her thing with the film in the film industry in terms of uh, producing things, and that means she's doing a lot of big things. She's not just, you know, I know, you know that idea. of, Babyface's ex-wife, yeah, that might be that might made her famous and noteworthy in terms of the uh, of the celebrity entertainment field. But she's very talented, like like that. You know, that Babyface thing was a long that was a long time ago. 
um, she's extremely talented and has, has done a lot of great things with, in the film industry. So she's winning. So I don't consider her to be a clout chaser per se and do stuff for attention, but I just don't understand. I'm not, I'm just not, I don't care if I'm celebrity or not. I'm just not putting my, it's not putting my personal business like that out there from that standpoint. It's just, uh, just a breakup. Like, nah, nah, we good. I'm good. I don't, you don't need to know that we broke up. Divorce is one thing that's eventually going to come out. A breakup? Nah. Not at all. I mean, you can, it's not impossible to be private in this age. You might think it, it really is not. It's not. It's not. It's, I'm telling you, it's a choice. I don't, I, again, I, I, don't, I don't think celebrities, well, I don't think they want to be private for the most part. I think for the most part, these celebrities and people in public spaces, public figures don't want to be private because they feel the need to stay somewhat relevant. They have to put their stuff out there. And we have to know that they exist 24-7. I really think that's the area we at, we're at, unfortunately. Anything else I want to get to before I let you go? I was going to preview, look into the list here. I was going to look at re, uh, routine. I mean, I guess, listen, in regards to week 14, the two big games, um, Casey, Dallas, Philadelphia, Casey, Buffalo. The Dallas, Philadelphia, listen, uh, if Philly wins, the division's over. That's it to me. Dallas wins. Philly's got some that major problems as far as like they could fall, you know, like they could fall to anywhere from two, from one to four if they mess around one to three. Uh, so that's what that game is going to be about. Again, I listen. Dallas is playing better, but the bottom line is Philly has beaten way. But way better superior talent. Dallas hasn't beaten anybody of note that's on this level. That's, so I have to take that into consideration. Um, uh, I'm going to lean towards Philly, despite how poorly they're playing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to lean towards Philly in this game. Um, and to win a, a very, very close game. KC Buffalo, I don't have a feel of that game. I'll be honest with you. I have that game. I. I think I think it will be a close game. It'll be a very close game, but I, I don't I really don't have a feel of that game. Because I think Kansas City's defense is a top defense. Buffalo I think Kansas City's defense is going to be Buffalo's major problems, but I don't think Kansas City's gonna score enough points to like run away. So that would be you have two close games. I'll be shocked if any of these games are not are decided by more than more than uh a touchdown, to be honest with you. I think these are both fourth quarter games. Again, I'll probably lean towards Philly and Kansas City bouncing back uh, in, in, the win, in, in the win column. And we talked about the NFL MVP rate, NFL MVP. Uh, again, compared to what it has been, talking about Prescott and, Purdy and, and, and Brock Purdy versus, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, is, again, it's not the same. It's just not. This NFL, this is the most wide open NFL MVP race that I've, I've seen in a, in a long time. In a long time. Normally, it's the NFL MVP race is almost wrapped up at this point. You get a sense of who's going to win more than likely. This is this thing is wide open. I mean, Lamar Jackson could have a hot month and jump back into it and, and take it. Like it's not. He's like that's how close much together that these guys are. Like Jackson's still in the mix. Hurts is definitely still in the mix. Can't let him take him out. 
And of course, you have, and I mean, Mahomes got a big muff and jump back in it. Like, it's that, it's that close. He's got like Purdy and, and Dak are not that far ahead. They're like, they're not light years ahead of uh, strides that, uh, ahead of the rest of the field. There's not. So, this is a, this, the MVP is, the NFL MVP is still up in the air without question. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Thank you. Uh, for thank you for listening, joining me. I will see you next time. Um, again, you will hear from me live again next week. Uh, I will be releasing though that that latest my latest um uh, snowfall episode it didn't come out earlier this week. Uh, but I will be, be releasing that uh either Wednesday or Thursday, and you'll get yeah either Wednesday or Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. Have a great great rest of the evening. So.